0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Profitability Podcast. I'm your host, Adi Pinar. I've always admired those individuals who are consistently passionate and vocal about the same thing. I know for myself that this one thing has changed a few times as I've grown older. Part of what I hope to curiously explore with this podcast is just how others think about this. Every week on this podcast, I have a conversation with a fascinating guest, whether they're an entrepreneur, an artist, musician, author, poet, or artisan to learn more about how they live a life that is uniquely profitable. Today, I talk with Brian Gardner, founder of StudioPress, and probably the OG in terms of the premium WordPress ecosystem. Brian and I both had our online genesis at about the same time and in the same space, where we both rode WordPress's early growth to successfully build our respective businesses. Throughout his journey, Brian has been a passionate minimalist designer, something which has always shone through in all of his work. One of the challenges that pops up in my life from time to time is knowing just what enough is. Whether that's knowing if something is sufficiently designed or answering the question of how much money is enough. These are things that Brian has a pretty clear idea about. I wanted to talk to Brian because whilst our respective journeys has had such a significant overlap, we also only know each other from afar. Yet, it has always felt like there's parts of Brian that I just know, and that's because he's been so consistently vocal about the same things. As we explored our shared paths, we also spoke about living a minimalist life, what it means to grow up, side projects, and how to commit to the next big thing in one's life. This was a total trip down memory lane for me. And I think the collaborative reflection by both Brian and myself, as we both built businesses side by side, results in an interesting and vulnerable conversation. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brian Gardner. Awesome. Hey, Brian, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a few years, probably since we've talked, and it's been longer than a decade since we've sort of known of each other. And so, yeah, it's sort of, a like you said, a, a walk down memory lane and Kind of a, a full full circle deal here.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, yes, I mean, I mentioned you before we started recording that, you know, in, in researching and prepping for this, it was uh, kind of a walk down memory lane for me as well. I mean, I think you and I've shared very similar or parallel paths as well. So yeah, totally. It was, a, it was a massive trip down memory lane. So, But on that note, like for kind of listeners that don't know who Brian Gardner is, like if you like walk into... A party and you meet someone new. Like, how do you actually introduce yourself today?
1: It's funny. Uh, it depends. I usually just kind of go with I'm Brian Gardner. I design and do internet marketing stuff, and that's usually the extent of which people can understand. If you talk about like development, WordPress, and, and things on a more granular level, of course, if we we're at a WordCamp, it's a different conversation. But just in general, a lot of people, although it's getting better, like early on, you would say, oh, I'm in internet marketing and da 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 and people had no clue what that was. But now the internet stuff has become more commonplace. And so people sort of understand it more. And so, yeah, I just kind of like brush it off. And if they want to follow up and they'll ask a question and then we can get into a deeper conversation around exactly what it is I do. I'm like, oh, you really want to know, so then I'll tell you what I really do. So yeah. You're not in IT and you don't fix wireless printers. Correct. Correct. That's how I got started a long time ago, but um, that's not what I do now.
0: So I want to kind of at least, you know, in terms of when you came on my radar and kind of you take you back to the moment. So, you know, 2006 odd, you left your project management gig at an architectural firm, right? Mm-hmm. And you start working on StudioPress, had a different name at the time, but essentially worked on, on StudioPress. And then kind of thereafter, two kind of big changes happened for you, right? Which is first StudioPress merged with Copyblogger and you kind of last year sold you know, Copyblogger or StudioPress to WP Engine, right? So I'm very keen to that very condensed version of your, your journey, like back in 2006, why choose WordPress as the first thing to do?
1: You know, I, I was in Blogger first. I legitimately started out blogging with Blogger and then somebody said, oh, that's child's play. You got to do the WordPress thing. It's like a like a grown-up version of blogging. And so then I just, I learned that everything I've done online has been self-taught. No school or education around graphic design or, you know, development or anything like that. And so uh, once I started to understand WordPress, it made sense and started freelancing a little bit. And, and of course, once Revolution, which was sort of the predate of studio press, was a thing. And the, you know, as you know back in those days, the heydays, a gold rush of uh, WordPress themes, very quickly made it a decision that was really hard not to make, which was, well, this is <laughs> I'm making almost more a month here than I am in my day job. I do in the entire year. So at that point, and of course, Behind that was the desire to be one of the internet people and go work at a Panera or a Starbucks or whatever. And so like, there was no reason at that point I needed a few months worth of that sort of track record to make sure it wasn't i I'm going to quit my job. And then like in a month from now, I'm going to have to like crawl back to it. And so I haven't looked back. It was a really fun time, lots of learning, lots of life lessons, business perspective and stuff like that. Things I did poorly, things I did well. It's been a really long journey. It feels like a very long time yet. It feels like yesterday at the same breath.
0: Yeah. So what I'm wondering there, Brian is say, I mean, going from blogger to, to WordPress, right. And it sounded like it was, you know, based on some kind of recommendation Mm -hmm. from others, like in your world, right. Say the recommendation was to get into Drupal, right. Which, you know, to listeners that don't know, I mean, like Drupal as merely as a different platform to WordPress has simply not had the same kind of traction than WordPress. Right. And I think you and I both agree that part of, you know, your success was also WordPress was just this massive, you know, kind of wave that, that we wrote out. Right. But I'm wondering, like, say for example, that you had just stumbled onto something else. It wasn't WordPress. Like, how do you think that would have played out?
1: So that could have gone two ways. It could have ended or blew up in a couple of months and I would have had to find a, a normal job again, or there would have been a retreat back to, or some awareness of the WordPress trajectory and you know maybe I would have ended up back there anyways like I don't know because it was probably a year or two down the road from you know Drupal and Joomla and some of those early CMSs that were sort of neck and neck it could have been any of them really and as much as we like to bag on Matt for the way he does things I think he probably as a leader in the space whether we agree with his decisions or not, or the way he does things might be a different story, but I think he's the one that made the difference of why WordPress pulled ahead. Uh, and of course, and I go on record saying this because I truly believe this. I don't ever expect anything from it, but I do think people like you and I, and Jason and Corey and Chris Pearson really played a key role in the growth of WordPress just as it went from blogging platform to sort of magazine site to you know regular website. Uh, And I think had it not been for the movement of premium themes, which I think was a pretty significant part of the growth of WordPress as well, we are partly responsible for where it's at now.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting and kind of, um, it links back to, or at least in my mind, with the preface that I was going to throw in there with the question, which was, if I think about an artist gets started right they have to pick their medium right whether it's oil on canvas or like pencil drawings or whatnot right and to some extent wordpress was our medium right that we chose to to do work with and i think what you're saying and kind of taking that one step art analogy one step further here is that by others creating an ecosystem around the medium wordpress that also kind of help the medium itself, right? Because the medium gets used and interpreted and shared. Do you agree with that? Does it resonate?
1: Uh, I do. And I also agree with the fact that people who are artists at their core, you know, you and I as designers and such, I think there's an element of, or there should be, at least for the successful ones, an element of like the canvas in which they're painting on versus like where there's potential you have starving artists that just insist on just painting and they don't care about making money. And then there's people who sort of say, I'm an artist, but I'm also an entrepreneur, which means I want to make money and sustain a living and stuff like that. And and I guess that's what I was saying was at some point, there probably may have been a time where I realized, okay, I'm on a boat that's going in a direction I don't want it to be going yet. I see this other one moving faster. And since I love the art that I'm in so much, I'm going to figure out a way to get to the other boat, right? I think of musicians also as sort of the same thing. I'm a huge fan of Jewel back in the day when she went from like sort of eclectic coffee house kind of grassroots music. And then like, as that was becoming a thing, the pop culture exploded. And so she had a decision to make either I'm going to continue making the music I want to make it. And I'll sell nearly not as much as if I were to sort of shift and evolve. And so she took her music, her passion to continue songwriting and so forth. And she sort of switched into like music industries, right? She swift over to the pop culture thing, which of course I hated because I loved her sort of her deep inner art. I'm like, oh, come on, just like everybody else, she's going to succumb. But I think we all multiple times sort of are faced with that. And maybe at the same point, you know, you left Wu themes, maybe you saw something else. Sometimes it's instinct, sometimes it's intuition where you're like, you know, now's the right time to, And you know, when we sold Studio Press to WP Engine, same sort of thing where it's like, you know you kind of get it like a vibe or a verve like something's needs to change or maybe it's the right time to to make a shift and i think good entrepreneurs sort of recognize those signs and sort of weigh the risks and make decisions that sometimes feel hard but uh, usually and hopefully pay off in the end
0: yeah I and mean, what i can at least say about we themes right is that i you know from the outside i probably left too soon mm-hmm. right i mean i i left end of 2013 right and with him sold to Automatic mid-2015. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't privy to kind of the, the deal details at all, so I did not know at what kind of price. All I know is that, you know, Mag and Mark got got more than what they paid me, right? See, only 18 months soon, you know, kind of earlier. But what I do know is that my reasons for leaving there, the conviction that I had, the valuation. What, I wasn't optimizing for that at that stage, right? And that's the that is the kind of risks that one takes ultimately, and you know, in those big changes that we that we make. So, in saying that, Brian, like I'm curious, right? So, just with Studio Press, you went through two big changes. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, right? Yeah. Merging with Copyblogger and then, you know, eventually selling to WP Engine. So, I'm curious, like as your business changed, what about yourself? changed or what else changed for you at least? So either about yourself or or for you and those changes.
1: Two reasons why ultimately uh, I decided to merge Studio Press into Copyblogger. Let's start there because that's sort of the part of the, the journey that makes sense. One is that I was afraid of other competition that if ultimately I didn't make that partnership, Brian would have partnered with another theme person and it would have affected my business. So it was sort of a defensive move. I've told him that I go on record saying that that was part of the reason. The more important reason was that I it had grown to a point where I was doing too many things and I was feeling the weight of all the things. And at some point in time, it was like a inflection point where something needed to change anyways. Whether I was going to have to hire a bunch of people or in this case, it just made more sense to just merge it into Copyblogger where there was already sort of an infrastructure in place. for People that were doing things that I didn't want to be doing like support and accounting and things like that. And so that was the, the real reason why. And I believed in the ability to sort of then take it to the next level. I felt like I had gotten to a point where I had taken it about as far as I could have taken it. And so Blogger became a thing. And then sort of the same thing, fast forward eight or nine years to when Brian and I finally decided it was time to sell Studio Press. It was that same sort of thing. And of course, with Gutenberg coming down the horizon at that point, I knew there were going to be a lot of changes going on. And you know, for us as a company, We had to sort of downsize a bit and we had a lot of lines of business that were going on. And it was one of those sort of another gut instinct where it was like, I think now is the right time. I don't think the brand has been tarnished. I don't think it's less valuable than it has been. But I also think, you know, for the trajectory of the brand and the community, more importantly, we felt like it was the right time to make that move. And to be perfectly honest, at that point, I had gone from spending a few years working a lot and then feeling the extent of it to then just, you know, nine or 10 years of being in a bigger company with, I think we were up to 50 or 60 at one point, the responsibilities, like all of those things. Like I was just gassed and all five of us partners were gassed. And it was time, I think, for, you know, Brian had started a few other side projects. I was doing a couple things. Like we were all kind of checking out, which is like, well, if we're all going to check out and we don't make a change, the stuff that we have is just going to just shrivel up and sort of become like, One of those things you're like, oh, like the one of those basketball players who just doesn't know when to retire. I believed still in the brand and the product and all of those things, and we were like, I think if we found somebody who also recognized the same value in it and could then sort of breathe new life into it, sort of resuscitate it, invest into it, which WP Engine has done far more than I had ever been expecting. I feel like you know it's a win-win.
0: So, what caught my ear there, Brian, is like you speak about feeling gassed, right? Just feeling exhausted, and mm-hmm. you also spoke about kind of the weight on your shoulders, right? In that sensation, like, how why work on side projects, right? Because you know, a side project is by very definition something additional that you are adding to that mixture.
1: Because it was an escape, in a sense, it was a uh, I'm going to spend less time running around with all of the things that were going on here, and it was just kind of like I get to lock myself in my closet and you know, as I told you before, uh, we started recording, my wife and I both work at home and my son is in high school and, you know, he's busy and things like that. So I've got a lot of free time. Uh, and so I just really wanted to sort of go back to that Jerry Maguire thing, which was, you know, the fewer clients, all that kind of stuff, like do it for the love. And so I started a few side projects that were really more not about making money, more about doing what I love, helping people in ways that I wasn't currently. And so it just, there were other itches i needed to scratch uh and so you know i did it to some degree at the extent of you know i pulled some time away from like the day job so it wasn't like i was just adding to it and in fact probably to a fault i probably took too much of that daytime and was off doing other things but uh, i certainly wasn't the only one so
0: i mean i guess like for many of our listeners listening at this age stage Brian, like, i think that tension that all of us often feel with regards to the doing the thing we love and doing the thing that we can and or are able to get paid for right there's sometimes a tension there and mm-hmm. those things aren't always in line with them they're not even speaking about you know doing a job that you absolutely hate right which is a whole different kettle of fish but even for entrepreneurs you were an entrepreneur you were essentially your own boss yes you had partners you had other stakeholders but you were your own boss and yet you were not necessarily doing everything that you really wanted to be doing
1: mhm Yes, that is true. But I will also piggyback that and say there is a huge difference between what you, at least for me, what I want to be doing versus what I should be doing because, uh, and there's articles all over the internet about like monetizing your passion and how sometimes it's not a good thing. And and sometimes those things are better left sort of unmonetized as just sort of scapegoats to, to whatever. Cause I'm, I'm living it right now. We sold studio press. I, I love designing. I love designing minimalism and I'm doing things that aren't necessarily they're fulfilling just from a a creative standpoint, but it's not what market wants, not what market needs, not what's actually like working. Literally like today, even this morning, I was out running and I was like, okay, this is kind of what I want to be doing. But if it's not bringing in any money, at some point, I have a responsibility to my family to like put on the entrepreneur cap and say, okay, well, I got to do something. I can use my skills doing it, but I really need to come up with an idea that's more of a A problem solver for an industry and not just what i want to create because there's a difference between you know trying to convince people to buy something you've created and just going out and legitimately solving a problem where there's like a huge need and all that what is that difference for you at least (sighs) that's a tough question (laughs) i'm not sure i have a, a great answer other than the fact that i acknowledge that I have an inner struggle between like wanting to like force the stuff I want to do and create onto people and say, Hey, buy this because I made it. And a lot of people don't care. And that as an artist, that's really tough. When, uh, as we talked about earlier with the music industry, people like want to create a record. It's like the best thing they've ever created, but no one's buying it. Right. Because maybe culturally it's not what's popular or where there's huge needs and stuff like that. And so I have a hard time sometimes kind of dividing that time saying so it's okay to go out and kind of create some things for fun and do things that are fulfilling, but you also have to like kind of put on your big boy pants and like do business things and, com- you know, company things and industry leading things that are uncomfortable and challenging and you know, really stretch you sometimes.
0: Well, yes, right. And I'll just continue playing those advocate because I like the idea that I can ask you uncomfortable questions, you mm-hmm. right. But why do you think that link is always back to entrepreneurship in some way to business? Why does that narrative start with, here's something that we're going to create as artists, as a maker, as an entrepreneur, as a designer, but then eventually that narrative goes to, well, we need to figure out some kind of entrepreneurial thing here. Why is there not an alternative? Like, is there an alternative to kind of that and, and shaping that narrative?
1: I wish there was. I I think our culture now sort of defines success as, you know, how much not how much money you have or whatever, but just how much you make. And of course in our industry, the internet, the tech, it's always about, you know, who's successful, who's got more users. And so there's such a, a value placed on metrics that, you know, for people like you and I who've been around this for many years, like it's sort of just in the DNA of the process to think, okay, I want to create something and like to instantly just go to like, how do I make money from it? How do I get people to like me for it? And all of those things, there are days where I just, I'm going to close up shop and I'm going to go off the internet and I'm just going to go move down into the middle of the country and just like truly create for the love of creating. And I do think there are times where the opposite happens in that case where it's like those are the stories that then kind of long tail become successful because they're done for the right reasons and you know because i think now everything's an equation it's a you know if i do this this and this then i can become that and you can't put art through that process and so i think i'm i'm a romantic i'm an emotional guy i i fall in love with everything i do and create and so kind of like by nature of that, I'm, I'm so invested, I'm so attached to that. And so it's really hard to then put on the filter of like, even though I want to put on the filter of how do I make money from this? And I wish that wasn't always the question, but it just becomes the question, uh, whether, whether we like it or not at some point, you know, everything needs to lead to something.
0: Yeah. So I'm hearing you say there, you put a lot of yourself into the things that you do. Like, mm-hmm maybe to a different extents, right? Maybe some of those you, you filter and, and chisel in different ways when kind of the primary goal has been commercial value and profit over time. But I'm wondering, like, if there's a single thing that you've created, Brian, that's where you feel like that thing, project, whatever it is, that is where you manifested yourself. Like Brian is manifested in that so accurately. What is that thing? It, it, like, it, does it exist?
1: I don't know if it exists, but I'm tried to make it exist. Uh, I have a, a side project called Minimology, which I thought was like the greatest name, domain, six bucks, all the socials were available. And I was like, I'm gonna make it a lifestyle design, like all the things I really care about, right? And I'm gonna make it into a brand that does this. And then at some point you have to realize, okay, well, that's great, but now nothing's selling or I'm not making money from it. And so like, then there's always a the struggle. Well, do you continue? down that path and just really believe in the long-term goal, or do you just hop onto the next thing and sort of put that away and say, okay, well, that didn't work, which breeds all kinds of insecurity questions and things of that, like, am I good enough? Was I lucky? Like all the things that you probably, you know, in conversations we've had with various colleagues in, the, in, the, in, the, in our space, you know, like nothing is just simple anymore, you know, whether it's life, family, business, like there's complexities everywhere. And I hate that. But in the same breath, like it's the it's the reason like why such great art gets created because there's so much more competition, not just in the WordPress space, but just in any space, uh, social media, all the noise, all the distraction, you know. And then we throw, as we were talking earlier, also all kinds of sort of facades and charades and ulterior motives into the mix. It's really hard to believe almost anything anymore. To be perfectly honest, it's like everything's propaganda. Everything's you know done for a reason. Like. You know, I live in the United States and Donald Trump is our president. Like That tells you all you need to know just around what are we all doing here, (laughs) you know, like I don't even know anymore. You just smashed my bubble, by the way, (laughs) because hearing you say that, like, I think I've
0: realized that the people on
1: Instagram are not real, like, and they're not living real lives. They are, but they're still not like, you know, like there's like, there's real, real people. Then there's like real fake people. There's fake real people. And then there's just fake, fake people like you don't even know anymore.
0: The question i had here and it was a very nice segue um actually Warren, like you speak about like things are complicated and these almost contradictory parts in any equation right and like one of the things that you speak about online published online is speaking about this this i notion at least that with studio press you were lucky like part of you feels you were lucky mm-hmm. and the other part kind of feels, well, you know what, you made a smart move at the right time. You just spoke about simplification, right? But how do you take two very contrasting perspectives like that? Very, like seemingly very, you know, opposite, at least from the surface. How do you simplify or integrate? Like, what is your process with dealing with things that aren't just obviously in alignment?
1: That is a daily struggle. I'm very polarizing. I have days where I'm a zero and a 10, and sometimes that happens every other hour. And so, for me, there's always a struggle between, you know, like confidence and really boils down to confidence and belief in yourself and things like that. And I will say wholeheartedly, I feel like we were very lucky back in the day with WordPress. We were just the right people at the right time. Um, But I also believe in the same breath that we were very smart and savvy and we sustained that and built into that and we made an opportunity of ourselves very well and very successfully. So, Sometimes when you ask me like, oh, how do you feel about how it all got started? I'll be like, oh, woe is me and we were lucky and I'm not good and things like that. And then the other side of me, it's like, well, come on, man, like 10 years later, you sold the company for millions of dollars and you know how co- it had to be more than luck. So I believe both sides of it. I think focus for me has always been a huge thing. I'm always between like this and that, or if it doesn't work, like a very short attention span. So there's always a struggle inside of me to like balance things out. And it's why I try to purposely simplify because I'd rather be struggling between two things than like 10 things, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, that whole deal. And so, but that conflicts with me being an idea person. I'm a creative and idea person. So like every day I have to fight off ideas and they're all in vacuum, probably million dollar ideas. It's like, you know, I think of, uh, do you guys remember Rocky four, there's the scene where rocky's kind of like phase and he's like i see three of them you know talking about drago and he's like hit the one in the middle (laughs) you know and i'm like i feel like those are my days sometimes where i'm like i woke up and i've got three side projects each of which have their own slew of ideas and i'm like how do you even know anymore and so while i love that we sold studio press and all of that and i feared where i'm at now when i knew we were going to sell was it was easy when we were a copy blogger in Studio press and I was a partner there, like I had sort of a defined role. Like this is more or less what you've got to be doing and what you should be focusing on. Uh, yeah, go do a side project if you need to get something out, but this is like your real plate that you need to be you know, working from. So then we sold StudioPress and I'm like, okay, I've got 18 months of sort of WP Engine contract stuff. So I, it's sort of a, like, a, like a transition, but still a safety zone. Like, okay, I got to be doing this. When that contract expired, I was so looking forward to that freedom but I was also very afraid of it because now what right now I'm faced to look in the mirror and really identify, was I lucky or good? This is like showtime. This is like the moment where you've got nothing left on your plate. That's sort of like protecting you or sort of, and when you sold woo themes and, and sort of conversion, probably the same sort of thing where you're like, Oh, am I going to do that? And of course once lucky, twice good. Right? So and you've now are on the second side of that. And I haven't gotten there yet. And so, like, I'm very nervous around the things that I do and how I invest my time because I'm like, a lot of eyes watching you too. Like, hey, what's he going to do next? And is he going to fail? And stuff like that. So, yeah, I have days where I'm an emotional wreck. (laughs) Well,
0: I think that, you know, that's the same for all of us. I don't think, um, I think some of us just aren't as honest about those Mm -hmm. things, right? And I think what is heartwarming to hear here, Brian, is, yes i went through something very similar like i, I left wu and i published this online saying that you know i left feeling like a one hit wonder and i needed to prove myself and i was supposed to take a proper sabbatical from wu themes and i i just I, I just never did right and i probably got stuck into conversion sooner than i should have right and i like in the like middle of that journey i burnt out and like i think it's sometimes very hard when that happens to then try and reset right whereas Mm -hmm. reset and rest whereas i I actually had that space to rest after ruthie's and i didn't take it and i now call it basically like there's a dragon there and i know that that dragon is just me but it Mm -hmm. feels like the dragon is constantly out to get me and just chasing me you know from the one thing to the next
1: i hear you (laughs) i hear you i think i also got into like the next phase too quickly and I should have also just literally wandered the wilderness right to use sort of a biblical metaphor just identify like who i am and what i want to do and i started doing things just because i was you know again attention deficit disorder whatever you want to call it like i legitimately think i can't just sit still and as an idea person it's really tough to then just like have the discipline to just not do anything and to just literally just sit and listen and try to understand what the next step is and i did for like a day or two which should have been like a couple months at least but you know it's okay we're here we're still moving and still creating and trying new things and i have no reservations around the things that i'm thinking about doing and and whatnot and i'm learning and you know a little bit of padding behind me from a financial perspective after selling studio press to sort of figure it out thank god there's some of that i mean it's nowhere near what i think everybody thinks it is but that's cool but it's a, it's a long enough runway.
0: You mean every single time I Google Brian Gardner net worth and <laughs> Google gives, gives a number that's that's not accurate?
1: No, I think Jeff Goins, he posted something on Facebook, I don't know, a couple of months ago, he said he was worth like $70 million or something like that. He's like, come on guys, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, my, I, I, hopefully the Brian Gardner, the remix master guy that's a different Brian Gardner is worth more than I am. See,
0: that's why I picked my own name, right? I mean, 80 is not my birth name and I purposely picked something that I can at least not have a namesake that is more more than a wanted wonder and thus better than, than I am. So there's one 80 Pinar in this world.
1: Yeah, and there's probably only one 80 Rockstar too. Do you remember that story?
0: <laughs> I do remember it and I desperately try and forget it as well.
1: Do you remember what I did to you back in the day? No. You don't remember, I I bought your domain name and I think WP Tavern, I think it was WP Tavern, somebody was like made a big deal out of it. And I was like, come on. I was like, you know, like I was this like horrific villain. Like, I think I even just transferred it to you and whatever you did with it, you did with it. But I was like, "Uh, you know what? We all don't know any better. Like when we're, we're little juveniles and we all got started. And I think, you know, you and I, and I had a really great conversation with Chris Pearson about a, I don't know, two or three months ago. Where we're just kind of like i just felt the need to like own some of my baggage with him and just like look dude things that happened eight years ago is not who i am now and stuff like that and so you know i just wanted to feel a little better about things i had said about him and stuff like that and i'm like we all grow up i'm 45 now like i don't have at all the the patience or the desire to play games and do things that some of the people did back in the the early days of hash tag wp drama and stuff like that
0: yeah totally right and i think when you're so Encapsulated in a very intimate ecosystem, like it's just there's a little fire that breaks out. I mean, I I was known for that as well. Like if if I saw a little smoke, like I came there with hell of lots of kind of your know, fuel and whatever else that I can pour on that, you know, fire because I was I wanted a part of that.
1: Admittedly, I think early on too, I was really I think we got off to the wrong foot because I think the, my first instance of you was it your revolution is a joke or something like that. That was you, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? You published something where. You basically called me out and not as a fraud, but just, I think, you know, you were young and ambitious and I think you were talented and probably far better at stuff that I was doing and you probably felt it. And that's how I took it. And so of course I reacted to it as any person who felt sort of trapped in a corner, but I'm like, come on, I'm like, this is, life's too short to do that stuff. And 15 years later, however long it's been, it's like, here we are sort of like the old grandpas of, <laughs> of the WordPress and, you know, so much has changed, but so much is still the same, you know, you just roll with it, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I guess like part of my my own growing up there, right, is that back then fiercely competitive. Today still fiercely competitive, but neither business nor life needs to be a zero sum game. Like I I truly believe in the kind of rising tide lifts all boats mm-hmm. kind of mantra in terms of the way I want to conduct myself. And even you know, kind of doesn't matter how capitalistic or ambitious I am and what I do next is 80 Rockstar was a different beast. Like, well, and I was just, I, I was just also incredibly young at the, you know, at yeah. the time, and brash. Like, I, I, there's a little bit more nuance to me, all these years later.
1: Yeah, I, and I think you know, marriage and family and kids have a tendency to sort of bring people's perspective just differently. I've seen just you know different people start to have kids in our space and stuff like that, and like it totally grounds them. You're like, oh, I'm no longer just this individual hotshot guy. Now I've got a wife to answer to. I've got three kids running around. I got to, you know. <laughs> totally. So
0: I want to get back to just kind of, um, some of the minimalist stuff, some of the simplification stuff, right? Brian? So you write online, you say as creatives, the environment we surround ourselves in can heavily impact the art that we produce.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm keen to know, like, what is the kind of environment that you've created for yourself to be professionally successful?
1: Well, it started without sidebars. That was a literal movement that I created. That was my first side project when I was at CopyBlogger was I created a, a website in a community called No Sidebar, which was literally a result of me just wanting to remove sidebars from my website and wanting the entire internet to do the same thing. Very quickly that transformed into sort of more of a figurative thing of speech. I sort of dovetail my journey with Joshua Becker from becoming minimalist. We became really good friends. and. Aside from literally the distractions on a screen, sort of that season of my life really opened my eyes to removing the things that get in the way of our lives that just get in the way of what we want to do. You know, like I think as family people, as entrepreneurs, as individuals, like we, we fill our lives, our calendars, our, our minds, our closets with things just because society tells us we should, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and do all of these things that really are sort of against just good well-being. And so we do all these things, uh, and so sort of the awareness of that from a design perspective, but just also a living perspective. Uh, so to answer the question specifically, uh, I run as my first outlet of I'm gonna. This is my way of like removing myself from the computer, from being able to do things that I will do for 16 hours when I get back. So the one hour away, it has by far been the most fruitful. Sort of carving out of time. Some people do yoga, some people, you know, meditate, they listen to music or do whatever, but I go run. And uh, aside from the physical benefits, of course, of running, I have probably had even this morning some of my greatest sort of epiphanies in life, in business ideas, even just design ideas like, oh, I could do this and that just out in, I live in Chicago, suburbs of Chicago. So we were sort of out in the country by farms and have rivers and stuff like that. And it's not as majestic as like the mountains of Colorado or down where you are South Africa, but you know, like it's good. It's good for the soul to, to just have even an hour a day or, you know, every other day or something like that, just some time to like, just decompress. Uh, and so running and showers are my two. You know i take longer showers than i should not because i like hot water just because it's like time away it's like this kind of refreshing to not be sitting in front of the computer uh and i've got some good creative sessions in the shower too where i'm like it's good times i'm 100 percent
0: with you on the running like i i'm a runner myself i also discovered running late in my life mm-hmm. um and um i think there's what i've learned since both psychology and just physiology, but like literally the act of running and movement and the, the the way kind of that stimulates both left and right brain, like that is part of why we have those epiphanies or those ideas or manage to resolve some difficult things, um, you know, during a long run, like even though like my lungs do not have the oxygen to run any you know, any further or faster, somehow it kind of, my, my brain decides, well, it's got enough oxygen to figure out this thing that I've been mulling over for for weeks, and then just in a single split second, that penny drops. So 100% with you on that. So no sidebar, right? Speaking about clutter and the stuff we put in our our, our closets here, um, because that kind of, and you speak about the kind of choosing less, right? Mm -hmm. Often as well in the same vein, at least online. I'm curious to know, what was the first like significant decision, right, that you may, ever made where you prioritized simplicity or this notion of less?
1: It's funny, I was just thinking about this story the other day. So when the studio press heyday was going down and we were doing well, like copyblogger and making money, things were going well and so Shelly and I built a 4000 square foot brand new home, brick home, like it was majestic and it was everything we wanted it to be and and a whole lot more at least so we thought right uh, and so shortly after we built and moved in and started doing things it uh, was when my relationship with Joshua really blossomed and just the whole idea of living with less below your means and all this other kind of stuff at that point sort of started the the downfall a little bit with revenue around the company and stuff like that we had to lay a few people off and and for the first time you know to live in a big house when you have lots of money is fine it's it's easy to do but then when the money becomes Less there, but you still have the responsibility and the weight, as we talked about earlier, the responsibility of, you know, in this case, the house, the income and the family. It started to weigh on me and it started to affect me emotionally and on some level kind of affected our relationship because she wasn't aware of as much as she should have been some of the financial things. And so she was doing things and I was resenting her for them and things like that. And so the biggest decision we ever made was. We we finally had a falling out one day where I was just like I totally just lost it. I'm like, look, I'm like, sometimes the answer isn't always just to try to make more money, right? Because there's only so much time in the day; it's a finite thing. And I was like, sometimes the answer is needing less or having less priority. Uh, And so that conversation, we decided to put our house on the market. And so we sold the dream house that we bought uh, that we built in the spirit of simplicity and trying to just not fall apart not you know like and it it was probably one of the most freeing days of my life was that day when we finally decided to do of course took a couple months to sell and all that kind of stuff but i was like i felt so good after being able to like have a really good conversation a healthy conversation with shelly around this and having her understand and see the weight i mean because i don't think she realized until she saw like the tears in my eyes and just the angst that i was feeling that Sometimes that was just a product of like just more and more and more, you know, like it was too much. And so we sold that and built a much smaller house, less responsibility, less money, less mortgage, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've moved since then because we transferred schools for my son, but and still live in a moderate house, but nothing like what it was. and. So yeah, so that was, and I, I blame Joshua. I always kind of tease him. I'm like, you made me sell my house, <laughs> you know, your message, your ideology. Like I believed in it. And of course, you know, from a spiritual perspective too. There's all kinds of, you know, just talk about, you know, to be the greatest, you got to be the least, and all the, the things that you know Christians believe. So there was the conviction there too. So aside from just the, the normal convictions, it was like this is like a waste of money. Like we have rooms in our house we haven't been in for two weeks. Like this is just. Not good stewards of our money, and so, so that was a pretty big season of our life where you know it was uncomfortable at times, but we felt like we made the right decision, and and it was all in the spirit of simplicity.
0: Thanks for sharing, and I think that kind of story, being vulnerable like that, most people don't do that just naturally mm-hmm. or in any kind of conversation. So, so thanks for sharing, and I think i'd love to hear your thoughts right because part of what you described there that that notion of more 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 like plays is so intertwined with how we understand capitalism and being entrepreneurs and building businesses right but it's almost like that extra consideration which is always that weight on your shoulders it doesn't get weighed or not in the same way that we do the positive practice stuff in the business
1: and it is tough right i think that the need to always want to do more make more be more gain more like it's such a thing and and I am not great at it every day. I mean, I, I need to be reminded of sort of the simplicity, of the less is more and believe in that rather than just say it right. Even nowadays, it seems like the less is more is like is propaganda in and of itself. Like, oh, minimalism is all about like trying to, you know, do more with what you have. Like and so, like everything, it's like motives and you know, genuineness in what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it and stuff like that. I mean, it's tough. Like I just, I wrote up a little thing. I don't know if you can see it, but there's a sign behind me over my printer. Uh, I had made, it's called white space is where the magic happens. And I really, you know, running as an example of that minimal design is an example of that, you know, where, where less is truly more. And at the very core of my being, I believe in that Uh, I get distracted sometimes. And I kind of, you know, slowly kind of fall off course once in a while, but You know, I think the standards of which we live in and what we build ourselves around are important. It's what our family's built on. It's what I hope my next business is built on, you know, not trying to sort of take advantage of metrics or equations or whatever, and just legitimately try to help people in my own way, see the same things that I have seen over the last 15 years.
0: Yeah. So a little parting wisdom there then, Brian, like if you, for anyone listening, if there is one kind of your tip or trick that you wanted to leave with them if they wanted to explore their own version of what less is more is for them? What is that? Like, where do they start? How do they even start thinking about figuring this out?
1: I would say specifically that question, it's sort of hard, but like baby steps. I think people wake up one day and they read like a minimalism post or whatever, like, oh, I'm going to just sell everything tomorrow. Like, well. Oh. <laughs> that's great if you know you don't the day after then resent yourself for doing it like i think there has to be just elements of progress and journey and like fundamental understanding of like why because a lot of people would just go do I'm like oh i just did this because this thing told me to do it well okay now you just sort of like playing like a sheep in a sense like you need to understand why you're doing it you need to feel why you're doing it and so you know, for us, the house thing was really a long drawn out process of understanding like, hey, this is affecting us, this is hurting us, and this is going to hurt us in the future. So we have to make decisions, you know, sort of accordingly, you know, and sometimes it's something very, very simple, like, I'm just going to buy an off brand version of this thing, right? Or it might be something big, like I'm going to sell my 4000 square foot house, but, you know, people who are sort of new to the space or new to sort of, you know, because what you don't want to do is resent the process. You don't want to go do something and then say, "Oh, this made me unhappy or uncomfortable. I threw something away. I did. I really wanted just because this guy told me to do it." Well, how genuine is that? You know, it's just to usually just sort of maybe just take take a little time and just take baby steps. You know,
0: I hear you. And um, the the one thing that I'll add there, because you use the words, is is truly knowing why, right? So, in any kind of you know decision that we make, I think the internet and tools like wordpress have mm-hmm. made it super easy for anyone to be a publisher and i think we've oversimplified this notion that here's the blueprint with three or four steps to anything and many people do those things without knowing why they're doing it and they even accomplish it and they get to the other end of that and then they are resentful right because it probably didn't give them what they really wanted really needed so what's mm-hmm. wasn't cool brian well, Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the conversation. It was like, it was a great mix of kind of memory lane, going down down memory lane, Mm -hmm. um, but also getting an insight into kind of where you're going next. If listeners wanted to learn more and follow along as you also figure this out for yourself going forward, where should they go?
1: Aside from my domain name, which is briangardner.com, that is sort of the, the creative entrepreneurial business hub of what I do. Uh, everything else for the most part on the socials is at Beat Gardener Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I usually share more of sort of the process and the journey and things I'm going through. Those are a little more personal social media outlets. So pictures of the, the running trail and things I'm thinking and feeling and stuff like that. So that's the best place.
0: What's awesome stuff. Cool. We'll uh, we'll get that linked up for anyone that is keen to see that. They'll be in the show notes. Thanks again, Brian.
1: Appreciate it, Eddie. Thank you so very much for having me.
0: That's it for me for today's episode. If anything in today's conversation really resonated with you, please do send me an email on ad at That's ad at lifeprofitability.com. You can also leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to improve the show and perhaps also helps me to reach someone else that needs to hear this or might find this helpful. I'll be back here with another great guest next week. Cheers.